would invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. I believe it's on page 1021 in the red Bibles and the chairs around you if you're using those. We're going to pick up where we left off from last week. We finished last week looking at the first two verses of chapter 2. So we'll begin by looking at verse 3 down through verse 11 of chapter 2. I invite you to listen as I read to you that portion of God's word. John says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment. But an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded the eyes. Let's pray together. Father, we don't we do not want to be in the darkness. We want to be in the light. And so we need you, the God of light, to open our eyes Help us to see what we need to see from this portion of your word. Teach us what we need to be taught. Help us, Father, to see what is pleasing in your sight. And use your word through the work of the Holy Spirit to more and more form us and shape us into the people of your pleasure. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We like to know. We want to know. We like to know what the weather is going to be like today. Uh, We want to know if it's going to rain. We want to know when that white stuff that we will not name yet is first going to show up this season. We like to know when dinner is going to be served. Uh, We like to know when our paycheck is going to be deposited into our accounts. We like to know how much the car repair is going to be. We like to know how our children are doing in school. We like to know how much our spouse loves us. We like to know whether we're going to have enough money when we retire. We like to know if we're going to get a good grade on the next test. We'd like to know when the pandemic is going to end. And we'd really like to know when Jesus is going to come back. We like to know. We want to know. Now, as important as all of those things are, there's an even more important question that we want and we need to know the answer to. We need to know that we have eternal life. We need to know that we are a genuine believer of the Lord God Almighty. We need to know that we are truly loved By the Lord God Almighty. And that is 
precisely why John wrote this letter. We've seen this before, but if you'll turn to the very end of the letter, chapter 5, there in verse 13, he says this very plainly, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John says, this is why I'm writing. I am writing so that Christians can know that they have eternal life, that they can know that they are genuinely loved by God. Now, last week, we saw that John said that you can know that you are God's people, that you can know that you know the Lord God Almighty if you walk in the light and not in the darkness. And he talked about what that meant. It meant that you know that you're a sinner, that you know that you have a sinful nature, that you know that you have sinned in your life and that you confess those sins and believe the gospel. He said, that's one way that you can know that you have eternal life. This week, John is giving us another way that we can know that we have eternal life. He's giving us another way that we can know that we are genuinely God's people. That we are genuinely a Christian. And what I want us to do today is look at three things in what John says. First of all, what he tells us about how we can know. Secondly, what that looks like in our lives. And then lastly, how we can do it. So first of all, let's look and see what John says about how we can know that we know the Lord. He says it very plainly right at the beginning in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Could He be any more plain, any more simple? It is right there, right at the beginning of the passage that we're looking at this week. By this, He says, we can know that we have known the Lord, that we know the Lord, that we are in Him, that we have eternal life, that we are genuine Christians. How? If you keep his commandments. Now, we've talked about before the fact that one of the reasons why John was writing this letter to these people, to this group of gathered Christians in the first century, was that false teachers had infiltrated the church that John is writing to. Most scholars believe it was the church in Ephesus. And, and these false teachers were teaching a number of things that were not right and not true. Uh, scholars put most of the teachings, the false teachings they had under the umbrella of something called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism has lots of different aspects to it. But one of the things that Gnosticism taught and that these false teachers were teaching was that you could know God, but it have no moral impact in your life. That Christianity was about knowing about God, about knowing God, uh, intellectual commitment to him. But that did not need to translate into how you live your life. You could have an intellectual commitment and it could make no ethical difference. You could say, I know God, I'm committed to God, but have a life that was full of unrepentant, ongoing and intentional sin. And John is writing this letter to correct that idea. To know the Lord, to be in Christ, to be in relationship with the Lord, to be a genuine person of God's family, is to keep His commandments. It is to obey the Word of God. It is to do what it says and to not do what it says not to do. 
And John goes even further in verse 4. He says, if, if we profess to have faith in the Lord, if we say that we know the Lord, that we, are, that we are in a relationship with the Lord, but there's no moral fruit in our life, John says that we're a liar. That's what he says in verse 4, that we are a liar and the truth is not in us. One commentator put it this way, to have a verbal profession minus moral persistence is self-delusion. To say that we know the Lord, that we are in relationship with the Lord, and it to have no moral impact in how we live means that we are just deluded. So, this is what John says for how we can know. This is how we can know that we know the Lord. Keep His commandments. But we need to unpack that. We need to see what John says about what that looks like. And I want you to see first in verses 3 through 6, he, he talks about what it looks like generally to keep the commandments of the Lord. Again, at the verse 5, he says, By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He, that's Jesus, walked. There's the, the general explanation of what it means to keep the commandments of God. It is to walk like Jesus walked. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to walk like Jesus walked? John's not saying that we have to look like Jesus looked. He's not saying we have to live where Jesus lived or that we have to have the same vocation that Jesus had. Walking in the Bible often has the sense of how you live. The, the moral conduct of your life. The fruit that comes in your life from what you say that you believe. So to walk like Jesus walked is to live the kind of moral and ethical life that he lived. To follow in his footsteps of obedience to the word of God. After all, isn't that what Jesus told us? John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. John 15, verse 10. If you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Generally speaking, to keep God's commandments is to walk like Jesus walked. Now, hopefully, that brings a question to your mind, because we know that Jesus was perfect in every way. He never sinned. So is John telling us that the only way that we can truly be a genuine believer is to never sin? Well, we know that John's not saying that. We know that clearly because just a few sentences before the passage that we've read today, John said this in chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And again in verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. John has already told us, don't pretend like you don't sin because you do sin. And to say you don't sin or to pretend like you don't sin is to call God a liar and the truth is not in you. So we know John's not telling us that in order to have a credible profession of knowing the Lord, we have to live a sinless, perfect life. John Calvin's helpful here in helping us to understand what John's saying. Calvin says, John is not speaking about perfection in life, but about those who strive according to the capacity of human infirmity to form their life in obedience to God. In other words, John is talking about our overall mindset, our intention, our disposition, and our effort 
to say that we know the Lord, to say that we are in Christ, to say that we are a genuine believer is generally speaking to say that we walk in the same way that Jesus walked, which is to say we have a mindset. We have an intention of keeping God's commandments and we are earnestly and genuinely making the effort to live that way. That's what it looks like generally. Generally, to keep the commandments of the Lord. But notice John goes on to get a little more specific about what that looks like. He gives it to us in verses 7 and 8. Beloved, he says, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already sinning. Now, did you notice that he didn't actually state the commandment that he's talking about? He, he talks about it being an old commandment and a new commandment, but he never actually states what the commandment is that's in his mind. He, he must have been assuming that the people that were reading this knew what he was talking about. Now, we do get a clue of what he was talking about as we continue reading in verses 9 and, and, and 10 and 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. There's what John is thinking about. He's thinking about the command that God's people are given to love one another. He's getting more specific in describing what it means to keep the commandments of the Lord. It is to love one another. And notice he says it's an old commandment. That's in verse 7. It's, it's from the beginning, he says. Now, what does that mean? What is he talking about, it being an old commandment from the beginning? Well, it could be that what John is thinking about is that it goes all the way back to the very beginning of the Bible, the very first books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. Leviticus chapter 19 says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, that's possibly what he's thinking about. From the very beginning of God's revealed word, God has told us that we are to love our neighbors. We are to love one another. But perhaps, and maybe more likely, what John is talking about, as he says that this is an old commandment, this is a commandment that you've known, is that you have known this commandment from the very first time that you have heard and submitted to the words of Jesus Christ. From that moment when you, when you put your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior. After all, it was Jesus who said in John 13, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Or again, John 15, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And it's not just Jesus that they heard that from. Paul as well. If you think back to the passage we read earlier in our service in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What? Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. John's saying, this is a commandment that is old. It's as old as the beginning of God's word. It's as old as when you first put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is nothing new. 
But then he says in verse 8, but there is a sense in which it is a new commandment. It's an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment. Now, how is it a new commandment? Well, what does he say? At the same, in verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Why? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about a people who walked in darkness when the light of the world came in and shone it's light. He's talking about the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the true light who is already shining. He has already come at the time that John is writing these words. It is an old commandment because it is, or excuse me, is it a new, it is a new commandment because when Jesus came, the true light came. He has showed us what true love is. He has expanded our understanding of what love is. John Stott, in his commentary on this portion of First John, says that we can think of this as being a, a new commandment, a, a new understanding of what it means to love one another. Because when Jesus came, he showed us that it has a new emphasis. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 22, said that all the law and the prophets depend on two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of who you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving your neighbor sums up the entirety of the law. It's new as we come and Jesus teaches us. It's new in its emphasis. But it, Stott said it was also new in its degree. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. To what degree should you love one another? Well, Jesus says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. When Jesus came, he completely showed us a new degree of the love that we are to have for one another. We are to love one another to the degree that Jesus has loved us. And that takes us to the gospel. It takes us to Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. That's how much he loved his people. And to that degree... We are to love our neighbors, which means even to the degree of giving our life for them. Stott went on to say that Jesus not only showed us that this indeed is a new commandment because of its increased emphasis and its greater degree, but also that it's new in its extent. Jesus said the neighbor that we are to love is anyone who is in need. That's what he taught us in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We are to love every brother and sister in Christ. And Jesus went even further to say we're even supposed to love our enemies. So it is an old commandment, but it is new. Because with the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has shown us the true extent, the true degree, and the true emphasis of what love is. And brothers and sisters in Christ, it, is going to, it must be new to us over and over and over again because as we progress in the Christian life, we grow in our understanding of the degree and the extent of God's love to us in the gospel. And that then helps us to understand what our love is to look like as we seek to love others. John talks about it being an old commandment. He talks about it being a new commandment. He talks about it negatively. He gives us the opposite of this command in verses 9 and 11. Whoever says that he is in the light and hates his brother 
is still in darkness. And again in verse 11, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He gives us the negative aspect of what happens when we don't love our brothers and we hate our brothers and sisters. When we hate our brothers and our sisters, when we hate our neighbors, we're in darkness, he says. We are walking in darkness and we are blinded by the darkness. Hate, that's a strong word. What does it mean to hate our brother or sister in Christ? We can go back to what Paul's list looked like in in Colossians chapter 3 of those things that we are to be putting off. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth, lying to one another. That's starting to get at what it looks like to hate somebody. We think of hate as outright despising someone. But we look at Paul's list and maybe we might even add to Paul's list some things, uh, some things like bitterness and contempt and disregarding and dismissing others. And we recognize that we can hate someone without outright just despising them. And John says that's not loving like Jesus loved. That's not walking like Jesus walked. That's hating our brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says... You can't claim that you know God and live that way. He does talk about it positively as well. Sandwiched in between those two negative statements of verses 9 and 11, he tells us positively what it looks like in verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. We are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want you to note, John doesn't put any qualifications on it. John doesn't say... You are to love your brothers and sisters that you like. Or that you are to love your brothers and sisters in Christ who look like you. Or that you're to love your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have a lot in common with. Or that you're to love your brothers and sisters in Christ that believe exactly like you believe. Or that you are to love your brothers and sisters in Christ that school their children exactly like you do. Or that you're to believe or you're to love your brothers and sisters in Christ who have the same convictions about things like masks and vaccinations as you do. He gives no qualification. He says we are to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. But actually, there is a qualification to that command. There is a qualification because John is quoting Jesus. And what was the qualification that Jesus gave us? A new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's the qualification, brothers and sisters in Christ. The qualification is we ought to love our brothers and sisters in Christ to the degree that we have been loved by Jesus. And what does that look like? Well, it probably looks a lot like what Paul said in Colossians 3 of those things that we are to put on. Compassionate hearts, he said. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. And above all these, he says, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is how we're supposed to love. This is how we know 
that we know the Lord, that we love like Jesus loved. So this is what John is saying about how we can know that we know God. How we can know that we are genuinely God's people. How, how we can know that we have eternal life. Keep God's commandments. Generally speaking, that looks like walking in the same way that Jesus walked. Loving the Lord and obeying His Word. Never perfectly in this life, but with an attitude, a mindset, and determination, and effort that is going toward greater obedience. And more specifically, keeping God's command means loving our brothers and sisters in Christ to the degree that Jesus has loved us. So let me just ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing in keeping God's commandments? How are you doing in walking as Jesus walked? How are you doing more specifically in loving as Jesus loved? If we're honest... This sounds really hard. If we're honest, we probably would say this sounds almost impossible. And perhaps some of you are thinking, well, the pastor's saying that I'm supposed to be like Jesus. Maybe he's saying that we're supposed to be Jesus. How can we possibly live like this? This is my homiletics textbook. From seminary, Christ-centered preaching by Brian Chapel. Fall of 1994, I went back and looked. I had the class that we were using this book, and sometime late in the fall, what 27 years ago now, sometime late in the fall, we got to chapter 10, and in chapter 10, there's a whole section about the deadly bees. We are. We were instructed in this book by Dr. Chapel that we should not preach sermons that just tell people to be like this person or that person in the Bible and God will love you. Be like Moses. Be like Abraham. Be like David. Be like Daniel. Be like Martha. Be like Paul. Be like Peter. Be like Jesus. Now, why is that a deadly bee? Because to say, to just say, that if we would be like those people, then God will accept us. If we would just be like those people, then God would love us. Then we would be a Christian. Then we would earn God's love. To say that denies the very essence of the gospel. To say, just be like Jesus. And if you obey and you love like he did, then God will accept you. That's contrary to the very gospel and to the scriptures themselves. So if this is just a be like Jesus sermon, I must not have been paying much attention back in seminary. If this is just a be like Jesus sermon, then we're all going to go home today only feeling the weight of guilt and failure and trying to live up to the standard that John is giving us. If this is just a be like Jesus sermon, then we're all going to leave without the empowerment to go out and to live like God is calling us to live. So what can we do? In order to live and to love like Jesus, we must first know that we are loved by Jesus. 
in order to have the power to keep God's commandments, to walk as Jesus walked and to love as Jesus loved, we need to know the degree and the extent of Jesus's love for us. And how did John address the people that he was writing in verse 7? What did he call them? He called them beloved. Beloved, he says. Now, certainly what was partly in John's mind when he said that, as he's thinking about the people that he's writing to, is that these are people that I love. These are people that are my beloved. But also also what is certainly true is that John is calling them beloved because he knows they are God's beloved. Much similar to what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, as he was telling them to put off the old parts and to put on the new parts, to put on the good things. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. After all, what had John just got done telling these people that he's writing to before he launches into the imperatives of the fact that they need to obey the commandments? What had he just got done telling them in the first two verses of chapter 2? That we have an advocate, we have a paraclete, we have an intercessor with the Father, Jesus the Righteous One. And He is the propitiation for our sins. He gave His life on the cross to turn away God's wrath from us forever. He sacrificed Himself so that we would become God's beloved. That's the degree, that's the extent of Jesus' love for you that He would take on the holy wrath of a sovereign and omnipotent God and have it poured out on Himself on the cross so that we would never have to experience it. And instead, that we would be forever accepted and delighted over as God's beloved Brothers and sisters in Christ, the more that that truth sinks into your heads and into your hearts, the more you will be motivated and empowered to do what John is saying in these verses. And so, yes, in a sense, this is a sermon that is a be like Jesus sermon, because that's what John says. We are called to walk as Jesus walked and to love as Jesus loved and to keep the commandments that Jesus kept. But in order for us to do that, in order for us to do the imperatives, we have to start with the indicatives. In order to do what we are supposed to do, we have to know what is true. In order to live and to love like Jesus, we start with an understanding of the love that Jesus has for us in the gospel. And once Jesus' love and grace to us in the gospel grips our heart, to the degree that it grips our hearts, to that same degree, we will be motivated and empowered to go out and live this way. Let's pray together. Father, sometimes our prayers are just simply, we believe, help our unbelief. On one level, we can say we believe that you have loved us and you call us and look at us as your beloved. But yet there are other times when it's so hard for us to believe that that's actually true. We believe, help our unbelief. And now as we come to the table, even as we have heard you tell us about your love for us and the gospel from your word, We pray you would show it to us in the elements of the Lord's Supper. 
Strengthen our faith so that as we go out, we might truly be the people of your pleasure and we would live like who we are. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.